Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. You can go ahead and be seated. Um, we, we talked about the earnest, the last thing we talked about was the earnest, the down payment of the spirit of our inheritance. Let me, let me show you that real quick. That's in verse 14. If you'll back up there, Shane, real quick. Which is the earnest of our inheritance. And we understand that um, we're going to be glorified. All the, way, all the way to our body being redeemed. Amen. It's not partial. It's complete. It'll be complete because we're complete in him. Which is the earnest of our inheritance. It's our inheritance. But I want you to notice what he says. He says, um, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that mean you know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance. So we know what our inheritance is, but what's his inheritance? He tells you right there, in the saints. So he's our inheritance. You know what he inherits? Us. And I think he's pretty excited about his inheritance because, one, he paid for it. And because he bought us, he now possesses. I want to teach you something tonight. I I may not even yell, (laughs) but no promises. But I want to teach you something that that I learned a long time ago, and it's it's something that's helped me in my Christian walk. And I've been serving God now since I was 17, 16, 17, right, right between there. That's, that's been a while. It's been a while. And people would tell me things, and they would give me revelation, Shane. They would say, you know, the Bible, I found something in the Bible, and, and they would give me a revelation. And those people no longer serve God. And th- that bothers me to the point that if God would reveal something to you, um, God's revelation should be able to keep you. Can you say amen to that? Because there's something about God's word that'll keep you. And people fall by the wayside. People give up. And, and, and here's some of us have been serving God for a long time. I think scripture has a lot to do with the strength that you walk in. It's not just enough to pick up your Bible and say, you know, I read a chapter. We really do need to understand what we're reading. And that, that was the prayer, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. 
you not believe how controversial this verse is because when we talk about his calling, we talk about the call of God, um, there's so much debate about the way God calls people. And uh, is he calling just to confirm that he's already uh, brought them to life? Is he calling them out of sin? Um, it's interesting to me that years ago I learned this and, and it, it bothered me because I went to church and they'd say every head bowed, every eye closed, and then they would say things. And they would say, if God's dealing with your heart, would you slip your hand up? Anybody ever, anybody ever, I mean, I do it. I, I do it. I'm like, hey, you know, and you don't want nobody looking around because, you know, some people, some people are nosy. They want to know what's going on in your life. And, and I'll be honest, I've seen people do it. But the, the point is that there's a calling and there's a communication of the word of God to you that you need to respond to. And so I ask you, would you like to respond to God's word? Why? Because I think that you play a part in communicating with God. I, I don't think, I don't believe anywhere in Scripture, um, I don't want to get too controversial, but in, in, I don't think that there are people that are predestined to go to heaven that don't want to go. And I don't think there's other people trying to get to heaven and can't make it because they're not predestined. That would be frustrating. Either way, it's like, I really don't want to go. I really don't want to be saved, but I guess I'm predestined to do that, and this is aggravating. And then on the other side, you got somebody saying, man, I'd really like to go, but I don't guess. You're not going to find those people anywhere in Scripture. But what you're going to find is a communication between God and man. And this word calling is extremely important here because if you look this up in your, in your Strong's, it'll say, an invitation to salvation. It's an invitation. Now, there are people that teach that there's no reason for me to ask you to raise your hand because if you're in sin, if you're lost, if I ask a lost person, say, hey, if you're here today and you're lost, you know you're lost, would you slip your hand up? They say, well, people that are dead can't respond because they're dead. And the only way they can respond is if God brings them to life. And so it's crazy to ask an unbeliever to raise their hand because they can't respond. And the struggle I have with that is this, is, yes, we are dead in sin. You agree with that? We're dead in sin. We're dead in our trespasses and sins before we're saved. Everybody agrees to this point. It's the grace of God that calls us out of sin. The question is, to what degree? Does God make you surrender? Does, is God's grace really irresistible? Can you reject it? Can you turn it away? Or when God calls, does it happen? Uh, uh, the old writers called it a general call, and, in, and, and not only a general call, but an effectual call. Let me say it like this. How many times were you sitting in church that you felt God deal with your heart that you did not surrender? Did anybody happen? Any, anybody? Raise your hand. Let me see you. And, and it, it bothered you a little bit, and then you found your way back to a church service, and God dealt with you again. And did you make it out of the service again during the general, general altar call? There's even ministers that say there's no reason to give an altar call because if people are going to get saved, they're going to get saved no matter what. So why even have an altar call? 
uh, I want to teach you what I believe the Bible says because I think it plays an important role in who we are. And I don't even know if we can, if we can uh, I know we're recording this, Shane. I don't even know if we can, we can post this. But I want to show you something because the best way that I could find for you to see this is t- to show you a minister that is teaching this, Ephesians chapter 1. And we're just going to watch three minutes of this video, and I'll probably stop, Shane, because I, that's just what I do. I interrupt. But th- there will probably be a couple of But I want you to watch this. I want you to listen really closely to what's, what's being said. Go ahead, Shane. Let's take a look at some of the t- biblical texts that are relevant to our concern here. We already looked, I believe, at the Ephesians text earlier, but I'll make another visit to it since it is so important. Chapter 2 of Ephesians, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, just, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Paul is looking back now, and he's speaking to his uh, friends and fellow converts among the Ephesian Christians, and he reminds them of who it is who raised them from spiritual death, that while they were dead in their sins and trespasses, God, the Holy Spirit, quickened them, raised them from the dead spiritually. Now, I remind you that dead people don't cooperate. My favorite analogy for what Paul is talking about here is the resurrection of Lazarus from the tomb. Lazarus had been dead for four days, and the only power in the universe that could bring that corpse out of that cave was the creative, energizing power okay, of pause God. It. And Christ. I want you to follow that. I want you to follow what he's saying right here because this is really important. He starts saying that Lazarus, dead people don't cooperate. So if a sinner is sitting in a service and I ask them to raise their hand, there's, they, dead people don't cooperate because they can't. Because he's saying Lazarus was dead in the tomb. You see how he's tying these together, right? All right, keep going. Christ didn't invite Lazarus out of the tomb. He didn't wait for Lazarus to cooperate. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And by the sheer divine power of that imperative, that which was dead became alive. Then, of course, he cooperates after, I mean, he walks out of the tomb, but there was no cooperation at the point of the change of his nature from death to life. And in similar fashion, what what we hear Paul saying here is you're in a state of spiritual death. You're by nature a children of wrath. And according to Jesus, no one can come to the Father unless it is given to him of the Father. And in your flesh you can do nothing, and that doesn't mean a little something. And that left to yourself, you will never choose the things of God. And while you're in this state of spiritual death, walking according to the course of this world. Stop. Walking according to Stop. the Stop. Did you catch that? Spiritual death, walking. Did you hear what he said? He says, Lazarus couldn't move. Lazarus couldn't walk. Lazarus can't do anything because he's dead. Then he says, when you're in the state of spiritual death, walking according. So the analogy doesn't work. Do you see the problem? Because if Lazarus couldn't walk, then I couldn't walk either. So here's, here's, here's the issue. The issue is this. We're saying a sinner 
is spiritually dead. But yet, he can walk according to the prince of the power of this world. So he can respond to the devil, but he can't respond to God. We're saying because he's completely dead. Do you, do you see what I'm saying here? Do you see the issue? There's a big issue here. Why is it such an issue? Because the calling of God requires something of us. It, we, we don't get, we, we, it's not, God doesn't force anybody to repent. And despite what you may have heard, there's not people that are going to heaven that don't want to go. God calls us, and, and he changed the scripture. He said, no man comes unless, the, unless it's given to him by the Father. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, unless the Father draws him. Now, drawing is an invitation. It's not a force. So it's not given to him by the Father. It's the Father is drawing him. There is an invitation. There is a, a draw that God has given. He does invite us. That's what the word calling means. It's an invitation. What does this even matter? It matters in our salvation the way we begin. And not only does it matter when we begin, it matters now. Because God is not going to body slam you into his will. He's going to invite you and draw you. Still to this day as a believer, God is still wooing you and drawing you. And the, the key component is, will you walk in his will or will you reject it? The choice is up to, it's up to you. It's always been up to you. Whether you're going to walk in truth is up to you. Whether you're going to live victorious, it's up to you. Whether you're going to experience the grandeur and the grace and the, and the mercy of God, it is up to you. God is inviting us to walk on a different plane. The question is, will we answer the call? That our eyes may be open. Why am I teaching that? Because we need our eyes open to how great the calling of God really is. The fact that the God of this, I'm yelling, the fact that the God of this universe, the fact that the God of holiness and righteousness would even speak to us is amazing. And if we understand that, then we must understand how important it is that we respond correctly to the voice of the Almighty God. God's not going to make you serve him. He's got angels that do that. The analogy doesn't work. Well, a sinner can't come. They're dead. Lazarus couldn't walk. He was dead. But then the sinner is walking according to the course of this world, walking according to the principality of the air. We're responding. Let me take you back to the garden. God told Adam, he said, the day you Eat of the fruit, you shall surely die. So the day Adam ate of the fruit, did he die? Spiritually, right? He was dead spiritually. Everybody agree with that? Because he didn't die naturally. We know that because God comes down, he's walking in the cool of the day. Adam, where are you? Ah, there's the key thing. You say, well, Adam died spiritually. But could he still respond to God? Absolutely. God said, Adam, where are you? Well, he heard him. Was he dead? Yes. Adam was dead. Could he still respond? Yes. 
Why? Because Adam had a soul. God made him a living soul. Adam was dead spiritually, but there was something in him that could still hear the voice of God, and he still had his body. There was components of him that were still working. So why am I telling you this? Because there's a world out there that is dead spiritually, but we have a word of invitation that they can hear in their soul and submit to that word and then walk in the spirit. Why preach the gospel? Why share your testimony? Why would you ever take the gospel to a lost and dying world if they can't respond? If your children are lost, why share the story with them? If they can't respond, why even worry about it? Well, we say, well, God has to bring them to life first, and then when they come to the altar, when they repent, that's just the testimony of the life that's already taken place in them. No, I'm here to tell you there is a calling, a God calling. God brings the call, and when God brings the call, Brandon, it is very important. This is why it's so imperative during an altar call, grab your kids. Keep them away from anybody. Because let me tell you what lost people do. They look for distractions. Why do they look for distractions? I'm going to tell you why. Because something's dealing with them, and they want to find something that will take their mind and their, their emotion off of that call. I'm here to tell us as a church, don't talk to them. Don't look at them. Let God do his work because it's very crucial that they hear the voice of God and respond to the voice of God. Man, I've seen it. I've gave altar calls before and just knew, Tanner, I knew God was in the building. I just knew. You could look back, and it wasn't. Y'all know my thing? It wasn't one of those things where somebody's here is under conviction. Somebody's under conviction. I seen the tears. I seen the struggle. Their face gave them away. Their, their countenance gave them away. Now, I've gave altar calls, the general call, and it wasn't effectual. Some people could sit right through it. But, man, there's those times when you know something's going on. I have literally seen people under conviction, and people get up and go sit beside them and start talking to them about other things. How did I know? Because they lost what, uh, how, how important, this is so important. Not only is it important to an unbeliever, it's important to us. It's important to us to hear the call of God. Does God just call you once? No. He calls you to do things over and over. He's calling you to do something now. You're driving down the road. How many people have heard the voice of God asking them to do something in the last week or the last month, and you're waiting to respond? Don't turn that away. Respond to the call of God. I think I may be done with this guy. I'm not badgering him. I'm not beating him up. I'm saying he's wrong. And the problem is, if we don't understand this, then we don't understand what's on us. You know what we do? We haphazardly live our Christian life, waiting on something to happen to God to make it to happen. And God's waiting on us. Aaron, God's done giving you everything he's going to give you. Don't be praying who's going to go up and bring it down for us or who's going to go down and bring it up for us. He's, it's, all, it's nigh you, even your, even your mouth. 
He's saying he's not going to give you anything else. He's gave you his name. He's gave you his word. He's gave you his spirit. He gave you his son. He gave you the cross. He gave you a new spirit. He gave you the Holy Ghost. He gave you everything he's going to give you. Now the whole earth is waiting on what? The manifestation of the sons of God. How are the sons of God going to be made manifest? I'm glad you asked. It's when they answer the call of God and do what God asked them to do, then will be made manifest. Until then, nothing's going to happen. You are the bride of Christ. Does God speak to you? Does God speak to you? Where's your hand if God speaks to you? They tell me the only way God speaks to you is while you're reading his word. But the Bible says, my sheep know my voice. And a stranger, they will not follow. So, so here's what happens. When God's call comes forth, we need to understand that we may know what is the hope of his calling. What, what is, what, there's hope in what he is requesting. There's hope in what he is communicating. It does me no good to hear the voice of God unless I'm going to respond to the voice of God. It's like a man beholding his face in a, in a glass. To be a hearer and not a doer. And see, the Bible says, he goes away forgetting what manner of man he is. He forgets who he was. If you don't apply it, then what's the reason to hearing it? But man, how powerful and how much hope do we have in the calling of the Almighty God? The fact that he would even speak to us and invite us into the family, and after we come into the family, he still speaks to us and has communication with us. we got to answer the voice that is speaking to us. Can you say amen? We're his inheritance. We are his inheritance. His inheritance is in the saints. What's he inheriting with you? Well, preacher, I'm a little bit rebellious. You know, you know, some of this stuff, it just, it, it. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Pray with me. Don't play with me. What is wrong with this world we live in? What, is, what are we trying to convey? When God speaks his voice to you and he calls you and he's still calling you, well, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Y'all like those people, like the guy that was, I know you've heard it. He's in the flood, and he's on the roof, and y'all know. He's praying, God save me, God save me, God save me. And a boat comes by, and the guy says, hey, hop in. He says, no, I'm praying, God's going to save me. Another boat comes by, no, I'm praying, God's going to save me. Helicopter comes by, I mean, it's over. He drowns, he goes to heaven. What happened? I thought she was going to save me. I sent you two boats and a helicopter. 
What else am I supposed to? You see, that's what we're doing. We're waiting on God to make it all happen. And God's already sent what we need to get down the road. So how important is it for us to be sensitive to the voice of God? Extremely. Extremely important. Somebody's victory may be hanging in the balance. Think about this. God told Isaiah, he said, go down to Hezekiah. You're getting ready to kick the bucket. Get your house in order. He goes down, he tells him. He does what God asked him to do. Imagine this. Hezekiah turns his face to the wall, and what's he say? Lord, the dead can't praise you. You know what? I think I'm going to add some years to your life. Isaiah, go back and tell him. What if Isaiah don't obey God? What if Isaiah don't go back and say, oh, yeah, by the way. Can you imagine living for 14 years thinking the whole time you're, I know people like that. Thinking you're going to die for all of those years because somebody didn't obey God. You say, but he did, but he did. But do you? Has God laid it on your heart? Has his calling called you to do something that you haven't done? Man, I hope I'm talking to you because if we get this, if we get this, we're going to be like those people that came out of the upper room. Let me say it again. We're going to be like those ones that came out of the upper room. And when they came out of the upper room, things begin to happen. Why? They begin to obey the voice of God. They obeyed the calling of God. It wasn't just God saved me and my family and shut the door and we're going to have this nice little relaxing life. No, that's not what God called you for. God didn't call you to be a self-centered religionist so that you could sit at home on the couch and not touch life. God called you for a reason, and that reason is that he may use you, and it is extremely important that we hear the voice of God. Mm -mm -mm. He said, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, of his invitation, of his drawing. There's hope in that. There's hope in that. Keep going. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Somebody answered the call. Eddie, somebody heard the voice and they answered and they surrendered to the voice. You don't get to just do that once. He says, well done thou good and one time servant. Man, I tell you, that one day I talked to you, you went to the altar, good job. Hadn't heard from you since, but hey, that one time, sealed the deal. No, that's not how it works with God. He don't stop talking. God is a speaking God. Can you say amen? I don't know why he didn't do it like, I mean, he could have just thought it into existence, but he didn't. You know what he did? He spoke it into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. When God spoke, it happened. What about us? We are supposed to be the Word made flesh. We are now the Word of God made flesh. We are the expression of the Word of God. 
we are the ones that are supposed to take the word of God and express it to this world. How can they hear unless we're sent? How can they hear without a preacher? How can they hear without somebody listening to God and then obeying him? They can't. The greatness, the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. If you've never heard this illustration, this is so awesome. When Jesus got finished, he said on the cross, it is finished. It's finished. Jesus completed his work. When I was a kid, I sat in church, and they tried to explain the mediator like this. They said, Jesus is our mediator. He is in heaven praying to the Father that he would forgive your sins. So I literally thought in my little crazy mind that Jesus sat up in heaven and prayed all the time. God forgive Damon. God forgive Damon. God forgive Damon. Please forgive. I mean, he would... He didn't have time to pray for y'all. At least I was hoping when he was praying, he was praying for me. And they said, he's up there praying for your forgiveness. But then I read the Bible. And he said, it's finished. He was done. And the Bible says that he sat down. He sat down at the rock. It's a good illustration. Let me show you something. This, this is so profound. Do y'all know what set down means? What is it? Two set. Two shake. What's going on? Okay, thanks. Well, pull the guitar with me. He sat down. And when he sat down, you know what? He was finished. He was, it was complete. Don't take this literally. He did not sit on the right hand of the Father. Don't take that literally, because if that's literal, that means he's literally sitting on the right hand of the Father. And the Father's like, get off my hand. <laughs> that's not what that's talking about. <laughs> Y'all are laughing because now it's comical, but you thought it. In my mind, when I said in church, there, there was two thrones in heaven. Did anybody else picture this, or was this just me? There was a throne that set up a little bit higher than the other throne. That's where God said. Jesus said over here on the right side. And over here on the left side, the Holy Spirit was just a cloud. Couldn't see him, but he was just cloudy. And that's the way I pictured heaven. That's not how heaven is at all. Because I read the Bible. And guess how many thrones there are in heaven? That's crazy. So where's Jesus sitting? On the throne. The one throne. And when we're talking about the right hand of God, we're talking about the power of God. Right? Everybody with me? Because this is important. Because when Stephen was being stoned, he looked up into heaven. I know you, some of y'all heard it. This is so good. Stephen was being stoned. They were biting him and throwing rocks at him. And he is literally dying. And he looks up into heaven. And he said, I seen Jesus standing. Oh. Now you got to get what's going on here. 
Stephen, the first martyr that we read about in Scripture, the first one to lay down his life for the sake of the gospel because he is sharing a word that they did not want to receive and they were rejecting it. I'm telling you, Jesus didn't sit down for that. He stood up for that. What are you saying? I'm saying I want to respond to God and his calling in a way that gets Jesus to his feet. Don't miss what God's saying. Chandler, come over here and fix your stuff. He said, the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Come on, Aaron, come on. So the, the Lord speaks. And we hear. I'm going to tell you right now, I could hear God when I was a sinner. Despite what that guy said. I'd go to church and feel Jesus. And I was a heathen. I'd go in there and sit in church like, man, I don't know who. There's something up in this place. I don't want to come back. Conviction would hit me, and I was a heathen. And it's, this ain't just about experience. This is scripture. God is so gracious. He doesn't just call you once. You say, oh, that's Bible? Absolutely. Look at Peter. He called him. Peter denied Jesus. That's pretty serious. I don't ever plan on denying Jesus, do you? I think that would be the ultimate. Like, you know, I've heard of stories where they, they say, renounce Christ or lose your life, and people lose their life because they're not going to renounce Jesus. Peter said, I don't know him. And they said, oh, yeah, your speech betrays you. He said, I don't know him. And they accused him a third time. Yeah, I'm going to say it. He started cussing. Yeah, he's not one of them. Don't tell me your words don't matter. They quit asking after he started cussing. <laughs> Preacher, they're just words. Yeah. It's awful interesting to me. They didn't say, no, he's definitely not one of them. Nope. He denied him. Jesus resurrects and he says, hey, tell the disciples. He says, and tell Peter. So you know what's awesome about God? He don't just call you once. He'll call you again. And then he'll pray that your faith don't fail. Excuse me a minute. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you called me out of sin. Thank you, Lord, that you made a way for me and invited me into your family. So what are we doing when we pray for people and this calling? We're praying that their heart changes. Amen? The word goes forth. The gospel has went forth. The general call. But man, sometimes in the middle of that call, there's an effectual call. There's a spot where God begins to 
pull. Now we're in this place now. We've been walking with him for years. He's still asking things. Somebody, somebody, somebody tell me. He's still asking things. He's still saying, come closer. Come closer. Come closer. Come closer. He's still dealing with you. He's still asking something of you. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Man, it's time to answer the call. It's time to respond to the call of God. Is he asking you to do something that you need us to pray with you? We'll pray with you tonight. We'll pray with you. Say, you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm here tonight for a reason, and that word spoke to me, and I want to I answer. I want to answer tonight. Be, would you be the first to step up? Let's pray with you. Is there a call? Is there, is there something? Or, or, or is there nothing? Is there nothing? Or do you got it all covered? Has he asked you and you've got it all taken care of and you're all good? Is, if, if that's you, I understand. But if God is calling you to do something greater and you want us to pray with you, would you step up? Would you step up on, on this Wednesday night? Would you step up and say, that's me. I'm moving forward. I hear the voice. I hear the call. And I want to answer that call. Come on, would you help me? Would you help me pray? We want to pray.